and we're going to read Psalm 46. Not a a lengthy psalm, we'll read uh, the whole psalm, verses 1 to 11, and then we'll hear God's word preached from this particular passage. So let us give attention to Psalm 46, God's word. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Amen. And may God add his blessing uh, to that reading uh, of his word. Let us pray then as we come now to God's word preached. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pause to acknowledge that we have no understanding of your word without the visitation of your Holy Spirit into our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that that might be our experience this day, that you might speak to our inner hearts, that we might know your presence and not only hear your word, but be given an understanding of its truth, that we might go our separate ways this day rejoicing for having been in your presence, for having heard your word and for having received that encouragement and comfort your word offers to each of us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've titled my message, God in the Hardships. And I want us to visit this Psalm 46 uh, this morning in our message. We see disasters throughout the world and we don't have to revisit Christchurch in Japan to to know uh, what devastation has been there before our very eyes through our TV. Australia, it seems, is in the midst of a season of disasters. Our nation's been in the international news headlines recently because Uh, of devastating floods, 
not only our own but in Queensland and on the best part of the eastern seaboard, moving well into uh, towards the centre of our nation. The largest cyclone in recorded history uh, to ever cross the Australian coast and bushfires recently in Western Australia. And this is not to mention the Victorian bushfires of Black Saturday that were even worse than Ash Wednesday, both of which left a devastating legacy. You folk here stand as victims of a turbulent weather pattern that resulted in enormous flooding uh, which affected vast land areas of our own state here in Victoria. The lucky country stands in a state of shock. Yet God is in the hardships of life. In the midst of these tragedies, the British Broadcasting Commission is reported as saying there seems to be no end to Australia's summer of disasters. Well, one might ask, where is a loving God in all of this? Dorothea McKellar's iconic poem, My Country, has been brought into a fresh, stark reality in recent times. Let me read the first verse of her poem to you. I love a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, of ragged mountain ranges, of drought and flooding rains. I love her fast horizons. I love her jewel sea, her beauty and her terror, the wide brown land for me. In the light of great hardships, even your own hardships, let us look a little closer at this particular Psalm 46 for what it would have us know. Our text presents us with three fundamental issues that we need to consider if we are to survive this time of trouble and indeed survive any drama and uncertainty of life. It grants to us the encouragement and the confidence of how to overcome the adversary. It sheds light on what we need to remember and do when trouble comes. For God is in the hardships of life. So let's look at these fundamental issues and I want to do it under three headings. Firstly, he's still God, our protector. And then secondly, he's still God, our provider. And then lastly, he's still God, the proven one. So firstly, he's still God, our protector. Our first three verses are 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. 
What a profound statement this is in verse 1. God is our refuge. God is. In other words, God is a safe place. A safety zone, if you like. A shelter from danger. I don't know about you, but I've had storms in my life. Troubled times. Times when I didn't know whether I was coming or going. Times when I didn't know which way was up. But I'm glad I had a refuge. I'm glad I had a place of shelter. For not only does the text inform us that he is our refuge, but in Psalm 91, it assures us of that truth. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, said the psalmist, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God is our haven, our sanctuary. He is our protector. God is the place in which we can find sweet relief. It seems that was what Martin Luther was trying to capture when he penned those words of the great hymn we've just sung. A mighty fortress is my God. Of course, God is not only our refuge, but also our strength. God is our refuge and strength, says his word. The word and is a conjunction word that connects the two phrases together, which adds a special dimension, if you like, to our relationship with God. Why does the Lord protect us in times of trouble? Well, he protects us not to hide us, but to help us. He gives us a shelter, not to pamper us, but to prepare us. The Lord gives us refuge in order to get us ready for the battle. One might ask, how does he do that? Well, surely it is by giving us an infusion of his strength. By infusing us with his strength, we're able to stand in the midst of trouble. It seems every now and again God needs to vaccinate us so that we're able to withstand the enemy. Just like you trust the doctor, you have to trust the Lord and let him infuse you with his strength. God is our refuge. He is our strength, but most of all, he is our help. The text says he is an ever-present help in trouble. The word present affirms to us the fact that we serve a right now God. It means that the Lord's help is immediately available to us wherever and whenever we are in trouble. The world offers us all sorts of 
are crises or turning points in our lives, financial, physical and emotional. And furthermore, the world offers us all kinds of solutions and answers. But the problem is that the world seldom delivers. Our God is not a God who did wonderful things in the past and can do nothing now. Nor is he a God who will do great things in the future but can do nothing now. Our God is a present tense God. He can walk right into the scene of our lives now and make a difference. Because he is our refuge, our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. We don't have to fear. Verse 2 and 3 reads, Though the earth give way and the, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. Because God is in the hardships of life. He is still God, our protector at all times. He's still God, our provider. Verse 4 refers to a river. In ancient times, the rivers were very valuable resources. They were essential to giving life to the people in all its aspects. The problem was that Jerusalem didn't have a river. Its only supply was the spring of Gium, which fed the stream of Shalom. And Hezekiah, knowing his enemies would cut off their water supply, beat them to the punch. He wisely closed off the springs outside the city wall and channeled the water through uh, an underground tunnel so that Jerusalem could have water even though uh, there might be a long siege. That is, even though they were under attack, Jerusalem still had water flowing on the inside where the enemy could not see. The Lord was in that underground water source. He provided what was needed. He's provided a river for us in times of trouble. Just like Jerusalem's river is flowing on the inside, the Lord has provided us with living water. Jeremiah says, the Lord is the spring of living water. And Jesus affirms in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit is the river of living water. So the question for us this morning is, have you tapped into the inside source? You see, when you tap into the Holy Spirit, God will allow the Spirit to supply your every need. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians, My God will meet your, all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So many times we depend 
on outside resources to satisfy, which can assist and help us in some measure. But our principal source and resource is the Spirit of God, our living water. We are well aware uh, from experience that we can lose all our temporal benefits. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is in the hardships of life. He's our God, our provider. And then he's still God, the proven one. The glorious thing about this point is that you'll realise that he is the proven one during times of crisis when you do two things. Firstly, to reflect on his power and secondly, to rest on his power. I say reflect on his power to see how God has given you the victory in the past. To recall his wondrous works and to acknowledge the many times that he has brought you through dangers both seen and unseen. Indeed, the Lord hasn't brought us thus far to abandon us. And as you begin to reflect on his goodness and power, he will begin to revive your spirit. He'll begin to rejuvenate your will to go on. And as a result, you will be able to say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is, I can get through whatever adversities I may be dealing with. Reflect on his power. And then there is rest on his power. Verses 10 and 11 read, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still means literally relax and take your hands off. Be still, let God do what he does best. Be still and watch God move on your behalf. Be still remembering that he's still God, the proven one. It's interesting that this psalm uses the word selah three times. It's a technical musical term that denotes a reflective phrase and pause. And the word literally means to lift up or to exalt. Can we look at this psalm then in the light of present day events. As with the American tragedy in September 11, 2001, Christchurch and now the Japanese earthquake, God has and will be in the news. People are asking the big questions once again. Why does God 
of love allow such terrible suffering and trouble? As with most disasters, no one is prepared for loss. The Bible is candidly open, though, in showing how the patriarchs mourned and wept and also the Lord Jesus Christ wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And this is because death is not normal. It was not the plan that God had ordained for his perfect creation. Death entered the world as a consequence of sin and no one is immune. When proclaiming the consequences of man's actions in Genesis 3, God tells us that sin will not only affect a human beings, but also plants, the animals, and the very earth and ground upon which we stand. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it reminds us that the whole creation is groaning. We see this tragically lived out in tsunamis, fire, flood, Christchurch earthquake, and now before us, uh, in our very, for our very eyes, the Japanese uh, earthquake. The patriarch Job, surely one of the most afflicted of all men, often complained, got angry, and also asked why. But Job like many of the patriarchs before him, understood history as recorded in scripture. He had faith that God would and could carry out his plan of redemption when he cried out, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. The Bible helps us understand our place in the cosmos. It provides meaning and purpose for life. If we take the Bible at face value, then we understand that death and struggle is a legacy and a constant reminder of our fallen state. And like Abraham and Job, we grieve with loss, but also believe that this earthly life is not the sum of all things. Both Joy and I grieved the death of our baby twin sons 38 years ago. I cried and grieved as a teenager the death of my mother. But because she professed faith in Jesus Christ as her saviour and because God deals with our little ones lovingly, like Job, I know that I will see them again with my own eyes. I can trust Almighty God, our creator of the universe, to keep his promises. My heart also grieves and is greatly saddened, not only for the Australian tragedies, but also for those who have suffered 
and died horrible deaths in many and various ways around the world. Without God, what hope, what comfort do they have? As Christians, we know we have the answer. It is within our ability uh, to help people, even to love them. And in the midst of terrible suffering, let the sufferer receive help and comfort. He who has escaped tragedy, let him offer help and comfort. It's a time for all Christians to stand up and be counted The world is certainly a hurting place at present. It's not a time to be withdrawing. People are asking about God more than ever. We have the answers in scripture. We need to verbalise that which we know is truth. I opened with Dorothea McKellar's poem. Let me close with another verse of that same poem, My Country. Core of my heart, my country, her pitiless blue sky, when sick at heart around us we see the cattle die, but then the grey clouds gather. We can bless again the drumming of an army, the steady soaking rain. Core of my heart, my country, Land of the rainbow gold, for flood and fire and famine, she pays us back threefold. Over the thirsty paddocks, watch after many days the filmy veil of greenness that thickens as we gaze. God is in the hardships of life. God is a loving God. He is our protector. He is our provider. He is the proven one. May the Lord God bless each one of you as he knows your individual and particular needs together with your collective needs as a congregation of his people in the days that lie ahead. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder that you are a present refuge, a present help in trouble. And so, God, grant unto us that ability to continue in the face of hardships and dramas and difficulties. Give us that strength, that physical strength, that emotional and spiritual strength that only comes from you, our Lord God. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.